We've done this series several times. It's called My Story, and, and here's what happens during this series. And really, of all the series that we've done over the years, this is by far my favorite. Because over the next few weeks, we're going to invite you into people's lives. And I believe this, there's nothing more powerful than a testimony. There's something about a testimony that really allows us to just see what God is doing in a very real and tangible way. If you have your Bibles this morning or you have a phone or tablet, have you accessed the Word of God, turn to the book of Job and simply what you would do is just turn to Psalms, take a, a quick left and there you'll find the book of Job. The book of Job is the oldest book of the Bible. Chronologically, it was the first book that was ever written. It was written actually by Moses and tells us the story of one man. His name is Job. And for many theologians, it can be a very confusing book, a very difficult book to totally understand. Job went through a very difficult time, but for those who have ever been through a difficult time, it actually gives us hope. And I want to highlight something in Job chapter 19. If you have your Bibles, turn there. And here is Job. Now, if you know a little bit about Job or, or whether you do or don't, let me just give you a little bit of a background. Job is actually a godly man, a righteous man. But the devil comes into his life and begins to take from him. And Job loses so much of his life. He loses uh, finances. He loses family. He gets to a point where actually physically he's attacked. And so Job just begins to get loss after loss, difficulty after difficulty. And he gets to a point where he is, is down to just about nothing. He is, he is a tragic story. He's a tragic story. And in Job chapter 19, you get to just about the middle, of the middle of the book, and you find that Job at chapter 19 records some incredible, credible words. And he says this in verse 23 of Job chapter 19. He says this, Oh, that my words were written, that they were inscribed in a book, that they were engraved on a rock with an iron pen and led forever. Now let's stop right there. You're thinking to yourself as you read these words that this must have been the moment where everything turned around for Job. This, this was the time in his life when he began to see the, the victory. He began to see triumph. Maybe this was the time in his life that, that things that, that the devil meant for harm, God turned for good. But actually in Job chapter 19, Job was still at rock bottom. He was still absolutely in the worst shape, the worst part of his life. He was still in the middle of a tragedy. And in the midst of his darkest hour, watch this, he writes these words that somebody would write my story. Now, if you're at Job's life right here, if you're at this point in his life, you're probably thinking to yourself, I hope nobody writes my story right now. Because it's it's tragedy. I had everything and I've lost it all. I mean, it's almost like I'm an example of what not to do. I've lived all of this life and I tried to accumulate and I tried to gain and I get to this point in my life and now I have lost everything. But then he says these words. Here's why I want my story written forever. Here's why I want it engraved in a rock. And how many of you know it was engraved in something more solid than any rock on this earth? It was engraved in God's word. And he says this, for I know that my redeemer lives. Whoo, hallelujah. 
And if you're going through a difficult time, if you're going through a, a, a difficult season in your life, if right now you, you're, at, you're facing some, some of the darkest days, some of the worst moments of your life, just think about this. Job, in his darkest moment, the, the time in his life when it was most tragic, said these words, I know that my Redeemer lives. Hallelujah. Not just that I have redemption. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that I'm not just going to make it. I'm attached to the one who has already made it. And I know that he can redeem me today. And if I get back into a mess, guess what? He's still my Redeemer. And if tomorrow things still don't work out, guess what? He's still with me. He's my Redeemer. Amen. This is not a one and done thing. God's going to walk with me and talk with me. And he's going to be with me every step of the way. Listen, I have a Redeemer. Hallelujah. He's a redeemer, amen? That makes it so personal. And I don't know where you're at in life, and I don't know all that you're facing. I know some stories in this room, but I know this. Regardless of what you're going through right now, you have a redeemer, amen? You have someone who is going to walk with you through the darkest moments of your life. He's going to be with you in your darkest hour. He's going to pick you up. He's going to lift you out of the pit. All you have to do is say, hey, listen, I know that my redeemer lives, amen? And he's going to stand on this earth. And guess what? He's not going to leave me behind either. Amen. He's my redeemer. Hallelujah. Job said this, that somebody would write my story. Now imagine if somebody began to write your story, your story, because I believe this, all of us have a story. All of us have a story. All of us have a life where we're just filled with stories and, and we got stories and more stories and stories. Hallelujah. And sometimes they're good stories. Sometimes, oh, I got this funny story. I love telling my wife funny stories. I've been gone for a few days. I've been, been uh, out of town most of the week. And, and uh, I call her every day. Oh, I got a story. I got a story for you, babe. I got a story. Because really, life is just a collection of stories. I've done many funerals over years of ministry. And when we stand up to do a funeral, what do we do? We tell vital statistics. We say this is when they were born. This is when they passed. We say here are the survivors. And then we start to tell stories. Stories. Sometimes they're funny stories. Sometimes they're, they're personal stories. They involve emotion. They involve laughter. They're just stories. And what you need to know is that God is the author of your story. He's the author of your story. You know, the Bible says this in Hebrews. It says that he is the author and the finisher of your faith. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw aside every weight in the sin that so easily besets us, and let us run with patience or endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Verse 2 says, He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. I said he's the author and he's the finisher of our faith. Amen? And that means this. That means that he started your story. So you have to know, first of all, I wasn't an accident. 
I, I, was, I was put on this earth by God. I was designed by God's hands. God had me. He could have had me born any time in the past. He could have had me born any time in the present. But he chose the exact day and he chose the exact year for you to be born. He put you on this earth for a reason. Amen? You are not an accident. Now, my parents have told me all my life, well, you weren't planned, but you weren't an accident. Does that make sense? You weren't planned, but you weren't an accident. And I knew, I knew God had a reason for my life. God had a purpose for my life. There's a reason why he gave me to the parents that I had. There's a reason why he had me born back when, whenever that was, back when. You ever have to fill out your date, uh, birth date online? This is another, and you have to just scroll to the year, and you just feel like you keep scrolling, and you're like, dear Lord, <laughs> one of us is getting old in this place. <laughs> I hate that part. Anyway, but there's a reason why you were born in the year that you were born. There's a reason why you were born where you were born. There's a reason why you were born to whom you were born. Because God had a purpose for your life. And at that moment of your life, he began to write a book. And it is called Your Faith, Your Story. Hallelujah. Amen. He is the author of your story. He started it. You know that word author is an interesting word in the Greek. It's the word, and I, I have trouble saying it, but it actually means archegos, archegos. And it's the word where we get the word architect. And it literally means the person who takes the lead or the one who begins the thing. Ooh, hallelujah. I said he takes the lead or he begins the thing. So he opened up a book called Brian Rosenbarger at one day, and he said, okay, I'm going to take the lead. I'm going to begin this book. And he started off in, in the year 1970. Oh, there, I'll say it. The year 1970. And he just began to write this book. And he just began to write, this is my story. And he began to write this book. He began a thing. And I think it's interesting that it's this word that we get the word architect from. Because do you know when you begin a project, the first person you call is an architect? That's what we did. We're in something called uh, the Make Room Project, and we're building a, a family activity center. We're raising money to build a family activity center out back, and, and then we're going to remodel the sanctuary in here. And just so you know, I have it written down somewhere. To date, so far has come in, listen to this, $203,599.14. Can we give God praise for that? Amen. Now we still need a lot more, so uh, keep giving. But, but here's what happened when we wanted to do this thing. We felt like we wanted to expand the sanctuary. We need a whole new sound system. We're going to move that, that sound system over. We're going to knock out this wall. And, and the first person I called when we started talking about this, the first person I called was not the construction man, Huh? Not the person who was actually going to do in the building. The first person I called was the architect. Why? Because I wanted to know, is it possible? And I'd never met this guy. I got his name from somebody else. He was recommended to us. And so the architect walked into this building. And I said, hi, my name is Brian. We introduced ourselves. And I said, okay, let me take you to the spot 
where the construction is going to take place. And we walked into this room, and I said, now here's, here's the idea. We're thinking about knocking out this back wall. Now, I want to know, is it possible? And he looked at it, and he said, it's possible. I said, okay, well, we want to move this soundboard. We want to move it over there, create a whole new entrance. We're going to move the stage back, get about 100 extra seats in here. Now, is it possible? And he said, it's possible. He began to look at the structure. He said, give me the drawings. He began to look at the drawings, and he came back to us, and he said, it's absolutely possible. And then I called him one day. Because we were trying to figure out, we're trying to figure out, okay, if we do this sanctuary, where are we going to meet? We talked about maybe renting a school or actually we talked about putting out a tent on the property. And, you know, tent in South Florida, not fun. So we knew that that was not going to be an exciting proposition for everybody. And then we looked at this back part of our property where we have an overhang and and, uh, we thought, oh, you know what? All we have to do is put up some walls and we'll build a family activity center out here. And so I called him up one day and I said, Alex, can you meet me at the property? He said, yeah, I'll be there in a couple hours. And we walked out here and I said, Hey, here's what we're thinking. We want to build a family activity center out here. And I want to know this, is it possible? And without even thinking about it, without even taking a, a moment, he said, absolutely. Absolutely. All you got to do is put walls up. You've already got the ceiling. You've already got electric. You've already got the sprinklers. Listen, it's absolutely possible. Hallelujah. And listen, Jesus is the architect of your story. Hallelujah. And he wants you to know this. When it comes to your future, when it comes to your marriage being saved, when it comes to your kids coming back to Christ, when it comes to your finances being turned around, when it comes to the healing of your body, he wants you to know this. It is possible. Hallelujah. He is the author, and he has the pen, and he's writing, and he says, absolutely, that can be done. Amen? He's the architect of your story. He's the author of your story. And guess what? He's also the finisher of your story. Amen? The thing we struggle with is sometimes we try to take the pen. We try to take the pen back from the author. We try to do our own thing and do our own writing and and go our own way. Instead of letting him write the story of our life, we try to take control back over from the author. And we think that we'll do a better job writing our own story. And sometimes we could go for years and even decades just trying to write our own story. And God's just up there patiently waiting saying, hey, I'm here for you. Whenever you're done with your own chapter, you let me know. And I'll turn the page of that chapter, and I'll begin to write a new chapter. Amen? Because there's nothing more powerful than you giving the pen to God. Say, God, I'm, I'm sorry. I've taken these last few years of my life, maybe last few months of my life, and, and I have written my own story. And I've been the one dictating all the choices. And I've been the one that has dictated everything that, that I wanted to do. And I, I just thought I knew better. And here I am at this dead end. Here I am in this pit. Here I am at this chapter that I don't like. And I need you to take the pen, God. I need you to be in control. Because he's the author, but he's also the finisher of our faith. Amen. Do you know that the Bible actually says this? Our lives are a story. Our lives are a story. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, it says this. 
It says that our lives are living epistles, or it says that our, our lives are letters from Christ. They're letters from Christ, and, and the Holy Spirit is writing these letters. In New Living Translation, it says this. It says this letter is not written with pen and, and ink, but is written with the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is actually writing a story, and people are reading you. They're reading you. Amen? And they're just wanting to know, okay, okay, how's his life going to turn out? Okay, he says he's a Christian. He says that he believes. Okay, now they want to see something in you. They want to see something. And what we need to give them is a turning point. Listen to me, church. What we need to give them is a turning point. Do you know that every great story has a turning point? It has a beginning. Huh? And the beginning leads to a place where you turn. Something changes. It's, it's called a plot twist. Huh? It's, it's, it's called some, some kind of scenario where, where you didn't see it coming. It's this, it's this plot twist that takes place. It's when you find out as an 11-year-old boy sitting in, in, a, in a movie theater that Darth Vader is really Luke Skywalker's father? What? 11 years old, sitting in a movie theater. <laughs> what? Huh? It's when you find out, for you a few years older, that, that the planet that the apes are inhabiting is not some distant planet. It's actually Earth. <laughs> what? Huh? When you find out that Princess Fiona is actually an ogre. Nobody saw that coming. That's for you who are a little younger, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Shrek fans. Anyway, it's a plot twist. It's a turning moment. And you may not have seen it coming, but guess what? God saw it coming. God saw it coming. And I don't know where your plot twist moment is. I know where Job's is. You would say, well, that's in Job, the later chapter of Job, where he actually gets things returned to him. And all of a sudden, he begins to see the, the, the things that were lost come back. No, no, no. I believe that Job's turning moment, his plot twist moment, is the verses that we read to you a few moments ago. Nothing physically changed except his words, his mindset, his thoughts right? This is, where the, this is where the plot twist for Job's life is. It's not in the last chapter of his life where, where everything that was lost gets returned back to him and then some, right? Because that's the last chapter of his life. It's actually this mid-chapter of his life. This is the plot twist. This is where everything turns when he stands there in the midst of loss and he says, I know that my Redeemer lives. Hallelujah. That this is not the final chapter of my life. That God is going to turn the page. That God is writing a new story. My life will not be a tragedy. My life will be something that people can read about hundreds and thousands of years from now. And they will look at my life and say, look, God has blessed Job. God has restored Job. God has saw that Job's life will be a blessing and not a curse. Hallelujah. That's the plot twist. Amen? See, it happened to me. We tell, my wife and I, we tell our story all the time. We tell our story of marriage, and, and I can pinpoint the exact moment, the exact moment. 
She's packing her bags. I'm in ministry. I'm a pastor. We're Christians. We're saved. But how many of you know you're not immune from a bad marriage just because you're Christians? Can I get an amen? And so we're, we're in this terrible marriage. We're in this terrible situation. And she is packing her bags. And I walk into our guest bedroom. And I look into a mirror physically. But I also spiritually looked into a mirror. And I said to myself, it's time to make some changes. Huh? That was the twist. Now, things did not turn around overnight. It took several years for our marriage to get restored. It took several years for God to turn that thing around. But at that moment when I made the decision to say, this will not be the end of my story, that's when things started to change. That's when God literally, watch this, he literally turned the page of my life. Say, okay. No more selfish, Brian. Huh? No more doing just what you want, when you want, how you want. Now it's time to learn how to be a husband and be a father. And it was at that moment that God turned the page. Let's start a new chapter. You know, when I was a kid, I used to read these books. I, couldn't, I can't find them. I tried to look them up on the internet. I can't find them. But there are these testimony books, soul-winning books, and they're just basically one-word books, and, and it's just somebody's name. It would be Nikki. It would be, you know, Johnny. Just one word was the title of the book, and it was somebody's life. And if there was 32 chapters in these books, because I loved to read as a kid, 31 and a half chapters was everything they ever did wrong. The drugs, huh, the stealing, the jail sentence, Everything they ever did wrong. The author spent 31 and a half chapters telling you everything they ever did wrong. And then the last half of a chapter was they got saved. Amen. And I think, you know, when it comes to God writing our story, I think it's the exact opposite of that. I think it's the exact opposite. I think it's, yeah, he messed up. He blew it. He was a knucklehead when it comes to, you know, just God talking to me. He, he did some things wrong, but guess what? He, had a he made a decision that his life was not going to end this way, so let's start a new chapter. And here, we're only going to spend a, just a, a paragraph or two on what he did wrong. Now, the rest of his story is how God blessed him, redeemed him, restored him, and how God moved him into a brand new future. Amen. That's the story that God wants to write with you doesn't mean that we forget our past. doesn't mean that we forget it. You know, Paul actually said this. This is an interesting thing. I just learned this this weekend. I was with Bishop Tony Miller, and he said something that was so incredible. And it was one of those things that I needed. I go, I'm filing that one. Paul said, everything, all of my life experiences, I actually count as dung. He said the word dung. Now, we think of that, it's actually the word garbage. Well, there's another word for it. It's refuse, okay? It's, it's waste. Can I go there, all right? Paul said this, I count it all as dung. Now watch this. He said to that society, dung was not waste. Dung was repurposed. To a farmer and a farming community, and people who harvested for a living, it was never wasted. 
It was simply repurposed. And so what he meant was this. All of my experiences, all of the education, the learning, the good, the bad, God has taken it and used it as fertilizer for my future. That it's actually going to grow something out of it. Amen? Not that I just discount it, but God actually takes it. And he says, yeah, you used to be like this. Now, take those testimonies. Take what you experienced. Take all those moments in your life. And hey, guess what? Use them for my good. Use them for my purpose. Tell your story. And if it's something I could share with you, is this. Your life is a story that needs to be told. Listen, I want you to know this truth. My life is a story that needs to be told. It needs to be told. In fact, I encourage some of you to even start writing. Start journaling. Start talking about your story. Some of you had incredible stories. Incredible stories. Every time we've done this series, I just get a glimpse and peek into people's lives and I look at it and I go man that's an incredible story and we've done this story for years and years and years now and here's what's going to happen over the next few weeks the next three weeks we're going to invite different people to come up and we've already hand selected them we've already begun to talk to them we've already begun to hear part of their testimony and I go I want you to just get up we're going to shoot you a, a video we put a video professional video together of their life and I said I want you to tell the story of what you experienced but then I want you to get up and I want you to talk about the rest of the story what God did in your life and you're going to hear three different stories over the next few weeks you're going to hear a story of someone who went through abuse just abused how do you recover from that How, how do you get past that How do you get past feeling abandoned? You're going to hear the story of a married couple, like my wife and I, and a couple, they're in a very similar situation where their marriage was hanging by a thread. And wait till you hear how God turned their life around. And then lastly, you're going to hear the story of a Vietnam vet whose life should have ended and had to go through so much trauma and dealt with PTSD and all these different things that happened to many of our veterans. And you're gonna hear how God has turned their life around because nothing's more powerful than the story of a changed life. When we say, this is what God did, this is what he did, it's incredible. It is incredible. Do you know in Genesis, it says this, Joseph is is actually standing there in front of his brothers. And he says this. He says, I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be scared. I'm not going to kill everybody in this room. In fact, I forgive you, and here's why I forgive you. Because what you meant for harm, what you meant for harm, God has turned that whole thing around. And if I could go through the Bible outside of Jesus Christ himself, I don't think there's a better story in the Bible than the story of Joseph. What the devil meant for harm, God turned for good. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?